Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to the book of Luke, chapter 10 tonight? Luke, chapter 10. Take in the word of the Lord here. Beginning at verse 25, it reads, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? I love that. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. A certain lawyer, that is pertaining to the law, one learned in the law, in the New Testament, an interpreter and teacher of the Mosaic Law, this certain lawyer stands up to test Jesus. Rises up to ask him a question. To prove Jesus, to try Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus answers the question, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And the lawyer answers Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Good answer. Jesus said to the man, you've answered rightly, do this, and you shall live. The answer given by the lawyer is what we know as the two greatest commandments. We read in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, it says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now that's a powerful statement. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
When we are loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, with all our strength, all is right. When we're loving our neighbor as ourself, all is right. Matthew 22, verse 40, in the voice, it says, The rest of the law and all the teachings of the prophets are but variations on these themes. That's incredible. Jesus sums it all up. He's saying, this is the call. To love the Lord your God in this way, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So the lawyer answered correctly. He had knowledge. He had understanding. He didn't falter in his verbal response to Jesus' question. Jesus asked him the question, and he responded correctly. All of us are concerned with knowing what good we should do. Here, however, the question was not asked with the desire to be instructed by Jesus, but rather to try him to test Jesus. The lawyer stood up to test Jesus, but Jesus tested him. Conversation over, right? The answer was clear. Do this and you shall live. Jesus gave him the answer. The response was clear. Go, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do these. Do this and you shall live. But the conversation didn't end. Conversation that should end, yet continues. Look at this man's care to avoid conviction. Maybe you've never looked at it in this way, in this manner, in this light. But this man here, his care to avoid conviction. Luke 10, 29, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor, Lord? Love my neighbor as I love myself. Who is my neighbor? Questioning Jesus. Going further in the conversation. The conversation should have ended. It was clear. And isn't this how it is? We ask a question, we get our answer, the right answer. And though the conversation should end there and we should go about doing, we ask another question, seeking to justify ourselves. Perhaps our asking of another question is our care to avoid conviction. We quickly skirt the issue, we quickly push away the first response and the first question and the answer Jesus has given us and we ask another. Quickly push it aside to ask another to justify ourselves, to push away conviction. Let's change topics here for a minute, Jesus. I know you just pointed out what you want to speak into my life and deal with, but can we deal with something else? We can't fool Jesus. He'll get to us. Luke 10, 29, in the message it says, looking for a loophole. He asked, and just how would you define neighbor? 
I wonder if we'd even ask Jesus tonight, like, how would you define love the Lord your God with all your heart? How would you define love him with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your might? And, and here, how would you define love your neighbor as yourself? Who is my neighbor, Jesus? What is it in the heart of man that we are always looking for loopholes? Think about it tonight. What is it in the heart of man that we are always looking for loopholes, a means of escape or evasion, an opportunity of evading a rule or a law? You see, the lawyer wants to justify and vindicate himself here, so he asks, who is my neighbor? He pushes aside the first question, the first answer. He wants to justify himself here. He wants to acquit himself of reproach. And so he asks, who is my neighbor? Matthew Henry's commentary reads, We are concerned to know who is our neighbor, whom by the second great commandment we are obliged to love. This is another of the lawyer's queries, which he stated only that he might drop the former, lest Christ should have forced him in the prosecution of it to condemn himself when he was resolved to justify himself. As to loving God, he was willing to say no more of it. But as to his neighbor, he was sure that he had come up to this rule, for he had always been very kind and respectful to all about him. Looking for loopholes. We have to watch that this doesn't become our pattern of conversation with Jesus. We have to watch that this doesn't become the pattern of relationship with Jesus. That when he comes or we come and we stand, whether it's to seek his counsel or, heaven forbid, that we're trying to stand up and prove him or test him or try him, when he gives us the response and says, go do it, the conversation should end there. Not that we rise with another question or another set of questions, pushing off the first so to alleviate ourselves of conviction to justify ourselves. The Lord comes, it could be as simple as this. You ain't tithing, how you doing with that? Well, let's not talk about that. I really know how to worship. Come on, we, we do this with the Lord. The Lord's saying, go to church more often. Be a history maker, build the kingdom of God. I read my Bible every day, Lord. Skirt the first to justify ourselves in our action. Trying to find a loophole, trying to avoid the law, avoid the rule. Get the picture of a kid, maybe you were that kid, your mom says clean your room. What exactly does it mean to clean your room? It means what your mother means. Avoiding it, finding a loophole, trying to try Jesus. So it's time for Jesus to tell the man a story. You ever been that kid? Sit down, son, sit down, daughter. It's time for me to tell you a story. So Jesus begins, verse 30, Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest, it's quite the list of characters, a certain priest 
came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, the Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and he looked. He took a look, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds. You see, he took it, like, to the extreme. But really, that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to. This should be the normal response. So he went and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. That means this guy's walking now. He set him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii. So he pulls out cash, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he answered and said, he who showed mercy on him. And so Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. A priest and a Levite. A priest and a Levite walk down a road and see a man lying half dead, and neither of them stops and helps. Why? What was their reason for not helping? Had they found a loophole? They found a loophole to evade the law, the rule of Jesus, the kingdom. They found some way out of this. So let's look at the characters. First off, a priest, one who offers sacrifices and in general is busied with sacred rites, referring to priests of Gentiles or the Jews. Metaphorically speaking of Christians, because purified by the blood of Christ and brought into close relationship, intercourse with God. They devote their life to him alone and to Christ. This is what's being spoken of here. This is what Jesus is talking about here when he mentions the priest in this this account. A Levite, one of the tribe of Levi, in a narrower sense, those were called Levites who, not being of the family of Aaron, or whom alone the priesthood was reserved, served as assistants to the priest. It was their duty to keep the sacred utensils in the temple clean, to provide sacred loaves, to open and shut the gates of the temple, or we could say the church, to sing the sacred hymns in the temple, and to do many other things. Look at the characters in this account, in this story, a priest and a Levite. Were these men eligible for loopholes? Were they entitled to loopholes because of position or rank or duties or schedule? Did that equal loopholes? The lawyer dropped the first question, his care to avoid conviction, and he asked another. And just how would you define neighbor? So let's look at the word neighbor found here. Neighbor. A neighbor. A friend. Any other person. Or where two are concerned, the other, thy fellow man, thy neighbor, according to the Jews, any member of the Hebrew nation and commonwealth. So that was their conviction. That was their thought process. But according to Christ, it's speaking here of any man, irrespective, any other man, irrespective of nation or religion with whom we live or whom we chance to meet. So we see the characters in this story. We have a priest, a Levite. We have the hurt man, 
left to die. And we have the Good Samaritan. This man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. He was not a part of the Hebrew nation, was he? Perhaps that was their loophole. He wasn't a part of the Hebrew nation. Was he not? Was he not a part? Was that their loophole? No. This man left for dead was slighted by those who should have been his friends, even according to their conviction. And that's why Jesus is painting this picture and he's giving us this story. They had no loophole. They had no way out. The priest and the Levite were men of his own nation and religion. These were men of character and position, men of professed holiness and purity. Tenderness and compassion was their department. That's what they were all about. It's like the Christian just happening on the scene and taking a look and passing by on the other side. The priest, the Levite. Verses 31 and 32, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, the Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. The priest saw him and passed by on the other side. The Levite saw him and came and took a look and passed by on the other side. Was it a hard heart against one of their own? En route to assist in the temple, had to get to the temple. Was that their loophole? Passed on the other side so to claim they didn't hear him? Didn't know how bad it really was? His condition? Knew not his true need? Heard his groans, but if not helped quickly, would perish? Didn't have time to invest in the dying man. Look at this Samaritan, the length to which he went for his neighbor. The priest should have been that Samaritan. The Levite should have been that Samaritan. Should have reached out. These men should have been examples of compassion. These men should have been bursting with charity. They should have been a divine display of the heart of God towards this man left for dead. It was a divine opportunity. I want to ask tonight, sometimes when a divine opportunity arises to show the heart of Christ, to show kingdom life, kingdom power, kingdom compassion, are we seeking a loophole? to escape a divine appointment because it requires too much of us because it takes time it means we might have to walk while someone hurt rides on our animal because it means we go and care for the person and we take our own money out of our own pocket and help. And we don't just leave it there, we come back and see how he's done. 
verses 33 to 35, a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. Brought him to an inn. Took care of him. And the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I'll repay you. If we could tell this story in modern terms, with modern things, how's our response? It's amazing. Sometimes we find a hurt person, and instead of pulling a little money out of our own pocket and showing the charity of God, we go and try and find somebody else. But God wants to use us for the divine appointment. He's not looking for us to find a loophole or a way out. Like, Lord, you don't know my bills. This is bigger than bills. And God will take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. He'll work out everything else. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we're so calculated, aren't we? And we're too calculated to the point where it hurts not only us, but it hurts the kingdom of God because we don't have time to reach out. And our calculation is our loophole. I don't have time, Lord. I don't have time to have that conversation. I don't have time to help that person. I can't stop. Truth is, a lot of times in life, I think now more than ever, we're in a rush to get somewhere to do nothing. Idle time. Jesus is asking us, I believe, just to slow down a little bit. To not take a look and pass by on the other side, but instead do what Jesus would do. Not try and look for a loophole, but respond the way he would respond. Why should the Samaritan help the dying man? The dying man wasn't technically his neighbor. The dying man may have been the Hebrew thinking, rather than the mindset of Jesus, that if you weren't a member of the Hebrew nation and commonwealth, you weren't my neighbor. So even this dying man is sitting there going, you're not my neighbor and you're coming to help. Why did the Samaritan have to stop? Why didn't he just say, you treat us like that? Doing others as you would have them do unto you. You treat us, you say, we're not your neighbor. So I'll just pass by. But the Samaritan helped the man, and his compassion wasn't idle. He stopped, and he came to the man, and he washed. Like, this is incredible. He washed and bound his wounds with his own belongings. Imagine stopping, and you take your shirt off in an appropriate way. And i got to say that. I should have said coat, but shirt's all right. And you bandaged the wound. 
or you take some garment you have, maybe it's in your vehicle or whatever, and you're there and you're, you're there to help. You take of your own, your own belongings. The Samaritan placed the man on his own animal. I've already said that, but he himself, going on foot, he took the man to the inn and took care of him. He paid his own money. He gave more than maybe was needed. He came back. I don't know what the end of the story is. Maybe he came back and he had a bill to pay. Take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I'll repay you. All this from a stranger, one that apparently wasn't his neighbor. Let's have the worship team return tonight. Now this parable goes deep tonight. This goes way deeper than the parable tonight. This goes way deeper and way further than the parable tonight. Number one, when we come to Jesus and ask a question, is it because we truly desire to be instructed? There are some that are in the church and they're constantly asking questions, but it's not to be instructed. It's to test and it's to try. They'll come to a leader even or a fellow believer with questions not to learn, but to test and to try. Number two, when we know the answer or receive our answer, do we go about doing or exhibit care to avoid conviction? Ask them another question. Seek a loophole, evasion or escape of duty, rule, law. Number three, are we who we say we are? Are we who we claim to be? Are we acting the part of people whose very department is compassion and kindness? Are we passing by? Is our compassion idle? Luke 10, 29, in the message, looking for a loophole, he asked, And just how would you define? And we fill in the blank tonight. There are no loopholes in the kingdom. There's no way out of the rule and the law. It's not because of our position or how long we've been saved. can't evade the law look for a loophole well Lord it's the season I'm in okay you know my schedule Lord he might be saying I know your schedule and I'm not in it or I got the smallest piece of the pie when the whole pie should be mine Everything seeking first the kingdom of God and righteousness. What does it mean to be a neighbor? I don't know what that blank is for us tonight, but no matter who we are in this room, we're all level at the foot of the cross. We're all level 
on level ground right now. And the Lord's looking into our hearts and the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. I don't know how we filled in that blank. Maybe we're those that have had this pattern with the Lord where we're constantly looking for loopholes. And he comes tonight in his mercy with his word to teach us a story, to tell us a story that we might live and respond the way we should. Can we receive the counsel from the word tonight? Can we receive that? This is not a downer thing. The Lord put this in the book to benefit the kingdom, to benefit us, that we would be those that shine the light of Jesus. I want to encourage us all to take the defined appointments. Just run with them. And if it means time, so be it. I understand we have schedules, and I'm not saying throw everything out the window and throw your responsibility out the window. That's not what I'm saying. But you know if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. And he's always asking that we lend a hand to those that are in need. And I pray that we're not those that look and go, well, you're not a Christian. Why should I help you? Only helping our own. Or it could be you didn't help me when I was in need. Why should I help you? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And let's respond like Jesus. Amen. Can we receive that tonight? Let's all respond like Jesus and let's not look for loopholes. Let's honor the king. Let's be the good Samaritan. Let's be the one that reaches out. Let's stand tonight. The Lord is so good to us. So faithful. It's beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pour our love on him for a moment. Let's just bless the Lord. Maybe you don't even know how to do that, but we just open up your heart and just thank him for something. Thank him for something he's done. Set you free, saved your life, lifted you out of the muck and the mire, set your feet on a rock. Got reason to praise and honor him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your kindness, oh God, your compassion. See, it's that easy. Just begin to thank him for things. Begin to thank him for things. You set us free from the power of sin and death, oh Lord. You've given us life, everlasting life. We love you, Jesus. Yes. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river.